This episode is proudly brought to you by MBL Energy. For all your commercial solar needs, you can go to www.mbl-energy.com. In a world where everyone is stressed out with homework and responsibilities, Trent and Jeff are here to remind you to hang loose. Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of Hanging Loose with Trent and Jeff. Uh, we are here with Terry Lamb today, the tatted ninja, uh, someone that we, uh, that Jeff actually met at Ultimate yes. Backyard Warrior. Yep. Um, he's got an amazing story. Terry, thank you for being here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. I mean, I love it. I'm glad that you guys uh, reached out and gave me the opportunity. I love to share the message and the story, so I'm all for it. Totally. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on. Um, so kind of to start before we jump in to this, um, quick little high and low of the week. Um, if you need time to think about it, we can have Jeff start it for us. Right, but, uh, right. yeah, we just kind of little share a little story, highs and lows of the week. Um, I'd say a low of the week was, so yesterday had, I'm in college and had two exams and, uh, I was just dreading them because it's Wednesday and I'm just like, I'm looking forward to get these over with. Um, and then I sit down in my exam and the fire alarm goes off in my class. And so we literally all just did like the first problem and then we have to leave and go outside. And the fire alarm went like for my whole class and then I had my next class and the fire alarm was still going off. And so I missed two exams yesterday and I was, <laughs> I was super bummed because I was like so stoked to have them over with on Wednesday. But uh, so beforehand I was like, God, like help me do good on this exam. And I'm pretty sure he was like, now you're not going to do good on the exam. So the fire alarm went off and I have Gave like, me some more time. a few more days to study. So there's my, there was a low, but it's also a high. So. It's a double. Yeah. Low and a high. Yeah. Is the half, is the glass half full or empty? Definitely full. Okay. How about you? How about you, Mr. Mr. Terry? Um, so I'll go with the low was, uh, we had to drive. So I worked for Spartan race and we had to drive our truck from Mr. Olympia in Las Vegas to Dallas, Texas. Oh. And we, it's like 1200 miles and, um, like 385 miles from Dallas. My boss calls and says, Hey, the event's canceled in Dallas. No. The truck needs to be in San Diego. And so like, Oh, my our flights are already booked out of Dallas. So we drove to Dallas, but now we got to drive back to Dallas to drive to San Diego, which is another, you know, three days of driving. So it sucks. Yeah. But on um, a positive note, uh, my girlfriend got three years clean and sober yesterday. And oh, my God. So. That is awesome. That's Congratulations. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. So that's you know, a, high and lows. I like it. Yeah. So you, so you had to drive. So you drove all the way to Dallas and then had to drive back to San Diego? Um, no, we didn't turn back around yet. We left it. So my buddy went to Amsterdam, and then I already had a flight booked home. So we just left it in Dallas, parked it, and then we have to fly back there before our SoCal event. No. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my gosh. You just get someone in – get, a, like, Kyle or Ben, one of those guys, to drive it out there and then just fly home. Yeah, I, you guys ought to make a little cash. We need some help out here. <laughs> if I was anywhere remotely close to Dallas, I'd I'd try to help you out. But we're on the other side of the country. Dang, dude. Um, That's crazy. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, quick little – I'll try to make mine pretty short here. Uh, it's kind of a long story. 
Um, so Jeff has gotten to know me a little bit. Um, we met in college and he knows I can kind of be an airhead and uh, kind of make dumb decisions. Um, basically long story short, I, I got a, a new phone before I came to school. So I had my old iPhone as an iPhone seven and I decided, Hey, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to sell my phone. It's on this app called OfferUp, which is basically like a like an eBay. Yeah. And I put it up. It's been up for like two months, right? I got a couple offers. I put it kind of cheap. And this guy, this was on Tuesday. This guy uh, messages me on the app and what says, was "His name? His name was well. His name on the on the app was Ledge. <laughs> so it's like kind. It can be kind of sketchy. Okay. okay. Um, so." <laughs> So he messages me and he offers me a hundred dollars more than what I was asking for. And so, he paid for shipping. Yeah. And that he paid for shipping. So in my mind, I'm like, Oh sweet. Like I'm, I'm kind of a sucker, but I was like, Oh, let's go. Like, let's do this. So he asked for my phone number and I was like, okay, great. So we're texting, we're texting. He's like, let's do it through PayPal. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like I trust PayPal. I know PayPal. Um, and, uh, Basically, he's like, request the money and I'll send it to you and then you can ship it. And I said, perfect. So he sends me the money, but it's pending. So it says pending on PayPal. And they said, and I got an email from who I thought was PayPal <laughs> saying that your money will hit your account once you send us the tracking number of the shipment. So it's to like protect the buyer and seller so that no one gets ripped off. So in my mind, that made sense. I was like, perfect. Like, let's do it. So I go to the post office and uh, there was a lot of red flags before this. <laughs> the post <laughs> office lady was like, this sounds kind of sketchy. Yeah, even the post office lady was like, this is sketchy. But basically the address <laughs> I was sending it to was, uh, was in Nigeria. Yeah, she's like, where's the address? And he's like, you had to look it up. And he's like, Nigeria. So that should have been the last red flag. But for me, I was like, oh, cool. Like international shipping. I was like, so... I sent it to Nigeria and paid like a $55 shipping fee. <laughs> you shipped it. Right? So I shipped it. I shipped it. And the guy's like, I was like, hey, you're going to have to like pay me for this, uh, for the shipping too. Like this is kind of expensive. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. He's like, let me know when it hits your account. And I was like kind of sketched out about it. And the PayPal said that it takes six to 12 hours for it to hit your account. So I was like, okay, if it's not in my account by tomorrow morning, I'm going to call PayPal. So that's exactly what happened. I called PayPal and I said, hey, this is what happened. And the guy was like, well, that's not how we do these transactions. Uh, so true. you got scammed. <laughs> and he's texting me. He's texting me this whole time. He texts me the, the next day saying, hello, good morning. Like, how you doing? And, and then I text him. I was like, dude, you totally just scammed me and ripped me off. Like, and then I, I said I was going to hire an attorney, but I don't have an attorney. And I called my dad and he called, <laughs> he called me a dummy. So, so I'm kind of, so basically I lost 50 bucks in a phone and I was totally screwed, but it's, hey, that, that is a small price to pay. That's a small price to pay for a life lesson though. Exactly. Never trust so, a guy named ledge. Never. <laughs> I learned everything the hard way. I know. Sorry to take up so much time, but that was, that was like one of my oh. trend idiot moments. Um, but yes, that was, segment. that was a low. Yeah, it could, it, it should be. Uh, so that was one of my lows, but the high is that it is now hopefully one day for me funny. I know it's kind of humorous right now. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still I'm like, sorry I'm no, no, it's so okay. Much. I think it's funny too. I was super upset all day yesterday about it, but yeah. So anyway, that was my, that was my high and low awesome. at the same time. 
You learn. You, you live and you learn. Yeah. But. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been in situations similar to that before. Um, I never shipped anything, though. I never made it that far. Yeah. <laughs> you never, <laughs> never got to that low of a point in your life. Where you saw the address was Nigeria and didn't think, maybe there's something wrong here. I would have sent it with Nate the next time he goes out there. I would have sent it with Nate the next time he goes out there. Oh, yeah. Like, huh. hey, drop this phone off to this guy. There you go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to, like, intercept the package before it gets on a plane to Nigeria. But I don't know. I might have already left because that was three days ago now. But anyway. As soon as he turns it on, dude, find my iPhone. <laughs> then go I took my SIM card out. I don't ah, know if that works. Shoot. But yeah. anyway, Terry, um, as we kind of transition into high and low, enough about us. Um, we know a little bit about your story. You've kind of heard it. I watched a couple of your – I watched your submission video, actually. Yeah. Super powerful. Yeah. Super great story. So we really just want to kind of open the floor up to you. Right. Um, tell us the story. Like, I know you told me stuff, but tell us the story like you haven't told me because we've got listeners and uh, they've never heard your story. So, yeah, whatever you want to talk about. Um, so I'm just going to kind of start from like when I was a kid and just breeze through it yeah. um, if yeah. I can. And that way it kind of sums up everything a little more because there's a lot of uh, resentments and things that led me to my addiction and to part of the car accident stuff too. So um, when I grew up as a child, I lived in an ice cream truck um, from when I was, you know, born until I was like two. And then I lived in a trailer until I was like seven, I think. Um, and that was with my real father. Um then I lived with my my stepdad, who's the dad that I call dad now, uh, when I was 13 till I was 22, I think. Okay. And um, so my mom, my mom's been married four times. And uh, so growing up, I went to 20 different elementary schools. Wow. And um, so I had a lot of different friends, a lot of different experiences. Um, you know, I stayed with my grandma a lot or my mom would drop me off somewhere or kind of leave me here or leave me there. And, and um, I think it built a lot of resentments and a lot of, you know, where I felt like I needed to be self-sufficient at a really young age. So I felt like I needed to be hard, I guess, in that sense, if that makes sense. And yeah, um, hence all the tattoos that, that try to cover my, my softiness. And, um, you know, when I was... When I was 11, I started getting into drugs a little bit and I started kind of smoking and, and drinking and getting into trouble. And so my mom, I had lived in Utah at this point. My mom took me and she, we kind of did like a intervention thing. And she said, Hey, we're going to send you back to California to live with your dad. And I was like, cool, California, like SoCal dirt bikes, motocross, you know? Yeah. And so I, I moved back to SoCal with my dad and I did really good for like a year. Like I got uh, straight A's. I didn't have any friends or anything, so I wasn't getting into trouble. And, um, of course, you know, you make friends. So I started riding motocross and kind of living that lifestyle and going to parties and running around down there. And I made friends and I ended up, um, getting back into smoking and drinking, you know, and partying a bit. And, uh, I did graduate high school. I was the first person with my last name, um, that I know of That's to awesome. graduate high school. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, I was just, I was just a wild child. Like 
I wanted to fit in so bad that I would basically take on any challenge or any dare to do it mm. instead of just being myself and just being comfortable with my skin. You know, it's like challenge accepted. Like, oh, he won't do that. He won't do this. Like, oh, yeah, I will. Mm. And uh, so I was kind of living a false narrative. I wasn't being, you know, true to myself. Yeah. And so when I was 18, uh, six months out of high school, less than five miles from home, in a car that my dad bought me. Um, those are all statistics for kids who die in car accidents. And um, so I took a buddy of mine to go fill up a NOS tank. Um, I'm sure you guys know what that is, probably. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and back to like the red flags, like you were talking about, um, the NOS tank didn't come from Nigeria, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. <laughs> Uh, my my buddy called me probably like six times and was like, hey, like, come on, fill up the tank, you know, come hang out. And I kept telling him no. And I was supposed to be with my girlfriend. And and I drove a Honda Civic two-door, a little coupe, a 2001 Honda Civic two-door. And um, he finally said, hey, I'll buy you a pack of smokes, fill your car and give you 20 bucks. And I couldn't turn it down. Um, well, I could have. I didn't. Yeah. So I finally went and picked him up. And when we were going to get the actual tank itself from the guy's house, he, he was borrowing it from. Uh, I sat in the car for like 45 minutes while he was in there. And I remember thinking like, I should just leave this guy. Like it's hot. My car's going to run out of gas. Like I don't want to be here, but I didn't. Um, I waited for him, picked him up. And then we went and filled up the tank and we picked up four other people. So we had five people, six people packed in this little Honda. Oh my gosh. And uh, we filled up the tank. And we were driving them back to where we were dropping them off at. And on the way back, like, obviously, you know, we were kind of huffing and puffing a little bit and doing what we weren't supposed to do. And um, I ended up, I didn't crash then. Um, I ended up dropping them off and I took the balloon and I was going to take it to my buddy. And I wanted to show him, you know, what it was all about and blah, blah, blah. And when I grabbed the balloon from the kid who gave it to me, I pulled up and the light was red. And the guy behind me honked and I had the balloon in my teeth and I was kind of like pinching it off, um, changing the CD. And when the guy honked, I had a CD in my hand and I put my car in drive and then made my turn. And as soon as I made my turn, um, I inhaled that balloon. And so I bounced off the left curb, bounced off the right curb, and then I went down into a center divider. And it's a big rocky center divider, probably like eight or 10 feet deep. And when you pass out, you floor it. So I was lead foot. So I was wide open in this little Honda. Oh my gosh. Wow. And um, I hit a storm drain. I rolled three times. I landed in the oncoming lane and an F-150 T-bone me doing 70. Oh my gosh. So I, wow. you know, in a nutshell, so I shattered, I shattered my forehead, shattered my eye sockets, shattered my cheekbones, shattered my nose, shattered my jaw. I broke two vertebrae in my neck, three in my lower back, six ribs, compressed a lung, and then hairline fractured most of the bones in my body. Oh my gosh. That is awful. Um, I lost half the blood in my body. Um, I spent 19 days on life support, another 20 in ICU. Wow. I remember the doctor saying, your son can break his face on a scale of one to 10. Your son is a 12. Hardest stitch job of my life. We almost couldn't sew his ear back on. And um, 
I've had four full facial reconstructive surgeries and then seven other extensive surgeries like scar revision, nasal rebuild, um, like jaw displacement surgery and things. And, um, you know, they told me, you know, at 26, you're going to be in a wheelchair. You'll be lucky to be walking. Um, you know, you're going to have all these health issues. And I just turned 31 and I compete in Spartan races and obstacle course yeah, races all over the United States. And I train for American Ninja Warriors. So there you go. Yeah. You know, here we are. That um, is, that is unbelievable, man. That's like, I know that's so powerful. I, I don't even know what to say. That's yeah. when you, when you were in the, uh, on life support, do you remember much of that time? You know, like I said, I used to be like quite the crazy character, man. Um, so when I woke up in the hospital, um, I was with a girl at the time, like my high school sweetheart. Her name was Kara. And I couldn't see because my eyes were swollen shut. But I wrote on paper. They, they were talking to me and I was writing on paper. And I said, don't leave me. Don't leave me. And she said, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. And I said, no, no, don't leave us. Mm because I wasn't sure the condition I was in, I thought she was with us. So I was writing on paper for him and I was getting mad because I couldn't talk. So I kept trying to pull the feeding and breathing tubes out so I could talk. Oh. So they had to tie me down, like oh Velcro me to the table Wow. because I wanted to like, so the doctor came in and he kept asking me like, are you all right? Are you all right? And I wouldn't answer him. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't talk. My face was so swollen. My head looked like a pumpkin, like my ears were in and then it was bulged out here and here. I mean, you can imagine that much head trauma. Yeah. Um, and I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And then he said, well, I guess he's just not going to respond to us. And then the doctor said something funny and it, it got my attention. So I flipped him off. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my mom goes, yeah, he's fine. He's there. And I gave her a thumbs up like, yeah, I'm good. Like, what do my machines say? <laughs> you know, like in my head, I was like, what do you mean? Am I alive? Like, am I beeping? Right. Yeah. I was just so mad because yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. So, so you guys will get a kick out of this. So when I was in, um, ICU, they had me downstairs and, you know, in ICU. And then I went upstairs into another room for like the last three days. And I had never seen myself in the mirror. Oh no. And the only time I got up to go to the bathroom was at night. Well, I knew a bunch of my friends were coming and my family to visit me. So I got up to walk to the bathroom and I strolled by. I'm going to give you guys a visual because you can see me even though the <laughs> yeah, yeah. podcast won't. I strolled by and I looked in the mirror and I like, kept walking. And then I backed up like, wait a second. Like, oh man. <laughs> like, oh man. And like, so I leaned over the sink and I was like, Dude, like I was kind of pretty before. Not that I'm not now, but like I was a pretty boy for sure. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, and I was like, oh, you're, I literally said, I remember, like, you're not so pretty now, dude. Like, you did a number on yourself. Oh, man. And uh, my, my, my eyes were an inch and a half apart. I looked like a goldfish because <laughs> um, my face was what? so broken. Like, they were literally like this far apart. Oh, like, my, my nose was flat, and like this was like here oh. before the the face surgery. Yeah. So I just stood there had 108 stitches and staples in my face and head um, before surgery. Wow. And I remember staring at myself like, man, like you're not bouncing back from this one. 
And, um, and then everybody came to visit me and I just got mad at everybody. You know, you guys all knew, no one told me. And they're like, Terry, what are we supposed to tell you? Like, <laughs> you've been in the hospital for three weeks. How good do you think it could have been? And yeah, you know, so that was kind of an instant resentment builder too. And, um, so this is the coolest part because I know that you are, um, you know, a believer of Christ and, and yeah. in Jesus. And, um, so the doctor said, when you get so much head trauma, we have to poke a hole at the base of your skull to relieve the pressure to let the blood out to allow brain function again. And he said, I would make a cut, you know, an eighth of a centimeter wide and a quarter of an inch long at the base of your skull on the back of your skull. And he said, you had a piece of glass stuck right exactly where I would have made the cut, right exactly the same size as the cut on the base of your skull. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Oh Whoa. my gosh. That piece of glass just let the pressure out from. Yeah. So like it literally saved my life. And he said, someone cares about you. Someone's looking out for you. Wow. Oh my gosh. And I still, I still didn't believe in God at this point. Like I, I believed there was a greater power. Yeah. But I didn't believe you know, in Jesus or God or Christ or that, that he could save me or help me, you know, and I just recently discovered this in the past few years. So I got 44 months clean and sober myself now. That's awesome. And that's amazing. <laughs> I, I turned to fitness, um, and start exercising, getting fit, you know, but I spent, you know, so 18 till 27, pretty much. So nine years, almost 10 years, Poor me, you know, why this happened to me? Why am I not getting benefits? Why am I not getting paid? And then I had $1.7 million in medical bills against wow. my credit. Wow. So I didn't have credit. You know, it finally rolled off now. I mean, I would pay little chunks of it. Like, but <laughs> you worked the rest of my life and never pay that off. And, um, you know, and now I believe in God and, and Jesus and that he saves. And, you know, I've just come mm -hmm. a long way in, in this short amount of time. And, but it's just mind blowing to me that at, so after the car accident happened, like people would try, I was a mad alcoholic. Like <laughs> what yeah. most people would be passed out on drinking was my pregame. And wow. I'm not exaggerating nor bragging, not wow. proud wow. of it whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just in a really bad place. I actually just posted a video on my Facebook that popped up from um, 2013. So on this day, 2013, I chugged a beer in 2.3 seconds and that was the highlight of my life wow i literally bought an 18 pack of natural ice and tried to chug the entire thing while trying to beat the guinness world record wow so i chugged wow. an entire 18 pack in like 20 minutes like that was where oh. my head was and i thought that was a life you know and and now i realize looking back you know i wasn't even living like i was just existing yeah. And miserable and decomposing, you know, and now, you know, by the grace of God in my life and friends and companions like you guys and, and decent people in my life, I've made changes where I get the opportunity to share this message with people yeah. and yeah. with you guys. You know, it's, it's just overwhelming to me because I had four friends die in a car accident the day before my birthday, almost a year before my car accident happened. And I still thought it won't happen to me. That's not going to happen to me. Like that won't happen to me. And so my message to the people listening to this is, is like, 
it can happen to you. Oh yeah. It will impact you or affect you at some point in your life. No, almost no matter who you are, you know, addiction, depression, mental health issues, like they are present in everybody's life. Yeah. And you know, Jesus, God, whatever it is you believe in your higher power. And I say that because some people are afraid of religion. You need to invest in that and invest in good people who hold you accountable. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I appreciate you guys even having me on here. This is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> we, we so appreciate it. Um, I, I remember just like, it was so cool how it worked out because like total God thing, my friends were taking a picture with Nate, Illuminate. And I was like, ah, oh, they're already bothering him. I'll get a picture with him. And then I was got a picture with him. And then his, his friend Kyle um, started talking to me about my tattoo and then introduced me to his friend Ben. But then he was like, oh, I love how like you, he was telling me, I like how there's these stories to your tattoos, but let me talk to you. Let me introduce you to this guy, Terry, who's got all these, <laughs> the tatted ninja, who's got all these crazy stories linked to each tattoo. Um, so I just love how that how it all worked out to like come to this yeah. moment just from uh i don't know just being like oh what the heck i'll take a picture with a guy um yeah. but god has like just something so cool yeah. to come out of something that seems so small um, yeah i um, did have a oh oh you know you can you got it i did have a question it. like i guess like along your journey after your accident was there a moment when i guess I don't know if it was that blast in your neck moment, but if there was a moment when you were kind of, it was like that light bulb moment of, wow, like there is something more to life. What was, was there, what was that moment for you? Like, you know, people ask me that often and it took a long time um, for me to finally come to the conclusion, you know, that like, it's not poor me that I can take victim stance on everything that happens to me, or I can let go and let God deal with yesterday and tomorrow. And I can have actions and I can have answers to my tasks at hand today, which is so a day-to-day -day life where I try to work on what I can any given time and every single day. And, and so my turnover was when I moved to Idaho to live with my mom, and so I thought by moving here, I was going to get clean and sober and I was going to make changes and blah, blah. Well, I hadn't been around my mom in 15 years. And so there was even oh. more, you yeah. know, resentments and, and issues. And so I drank even heavier. Well, I ended up getting two DUIs back to back, um, which again, oh. I'm not proud of. Uh, it sucks, but it, it got me to where I'm at. But my turnover point um, was when I was watching the arrest video of me talking to the police officers, the attorney made me watch it. And I need to get a copy because you guys will be like, wow. Um, but seeing how I was from like the outside looking in when I drank was just like, I don't even know that person. Like, that's not me, but it was, I knew it was, but I didn't want to admit it. I told the attorney, you know, shut it off. And he goes, no, you're going to watch this. You need to, you know, I need to write that guy a card and tell him thank you too, because yeah, that, that seeing that I was like, like, I don't want to be that guy. Like you, everyone's been to the bar, to a party somewhere where there's that guy. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, that guy's a jerk and he's yeah. annoying and he's loud and he's spinning. I mean, that was me. And, but I didn't, but if you asked me, that wasn't me. Right. right. Not at all. I was the nicest guy ever. Yeah. You know, I <laughs> take the shirt off my back. 
Yeah. Even though it was covered in puke, you could wear it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here, have my throw up shirt. You know. Yeah. Just, so the turnover for me was seeing who I was, who like truly seeing my true colors from from the outside looking in, instead of just thinking that everyone that tried to tell me, you know, my dad, my aunt, my grandparents, my family, all tried to tell me like you got a problem, like you're out of control, and I was like, no, like you have a problem, mm-hmm. and. And when I actually saw it, I was like, wow, like the people that love me are now the furthest from me mm. because I can't not be a jerk. And I'm too self-centered to allow other people to have constructive criticism in my life. Mm. And so seeing myself from the outside looking in, that was my game changer. So now when I work with people or share my story, I try to tell other people that when people call you on your stuff, like that is a gift. And it doesn't mean you have to react or snap or bounce back because oftentimes all I have or all we have is our reactions to our surroundings mm-hmm. and our attitude about it. So I tell people like, don't snap, don't bark, don't bite. Like take it for what it is. Think about it for a while. Cause oftentimes there's more truth to it than we're willing to admit. And, and that's how we grow. And in, in my opinion, you know, and I just do the best I can to, uh, to encourage everybody else to be the very best version of themselves, um, whether that's fitness or yeah. mental, well, mental wellness, mental health, um, sobriety, recovery, um, or church. And, um, yeah. and the reason I don't lean towards, and like in this video right now, towards talking about Jesus and Christ and, and, um, and my love for him so much is because a lot of times that'll push people away. And when I share my story, I try not to because I feel like no matter what, everybody in their life finds Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed to realize that you could have prayed. Right. You could have prayed sooner. You could have believed sooner. You could have had faith sooner. You could have been saved sooner. You don't have to wait till something catastrophic in your life happens right. to find the Lord. You know, and unfortunately, I feel a lot of people do. And, and I, I would love to help people skip the heartache yeah you know but but yeah i used to think it was i used to be bummed that i didn't have this crazy cool conversion testimony to share with people because like i grew up in the church my parents are christians like i was in a good home and i just my relationship i feel like i believed in god when i was three and just kind of moved on from there and i was always just like man i wish i had this like crazy conversion story so I could inspire people um, with it. And the crazy thing about that is I didn't realize the blessing that I grew up with of not having crazy heartache. Um, And I was just throwing away this gift that I was given of like, wow, I obviously I like after that have been through things and now my faith is my own and my relationship with God is much more personal than it was growing up. But I just look back and think it's crazy that I, I wanted to have gone through something yeah. like a hardship when I was given something that a lot of people don't, don't get. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, but you still have that ability and that story because no matter what your story is, you can relate to somebody yeah. somewhere. Absolutely. You know, and so that's, that's the testimony is, is relationship building. Right. Um, um yeah, so I, I had another question kind of feeding off of what you just said. So I know that you had your accident when you were 18, and after that, you had seven – or until you were 27, you said you were um, still an alcoholic. 
what at what point i think you said it was 27 where what made you want to get sober what made you want to like have this like i'm gonna change my life around. i'm gonna get into fitness i'm gonna do this like what what made you what drove you to that you know, the, the deciding factor was the DUI when it cost me a lot of money, which is so okay. materialistic and shallow to say, but that's not entirely it. So I had moved to Florida. So I took everything I owned, threw it in the back of my truck, and I drove from Riverside, California to Tampa, Florida. And I asked a girl that I'd known since she was a little girl to marry me. She was in the military. Wow. And so I got married, um, like country love song style, like, mm -hmm. like mattress in the back of the truck, drove there, had 50 bucks to my name when I got there. And I said, will you marry me? And she goes, well, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, will you marry me? Like, that's kind of why I'm here. You know, and, um, and she did, and we got married. And, um, and I have a daughter that's eight with her, um, who lives with her in California that I try to visit and see as much as I can. Um, and so when we were together, she had like mentioned like, oh, I'm not quite ready to be married yet. I'm young. I haven't got to live my life. Now I'm married, having a baby. And she was 20. So she wasn't even 21 yet. Mm. You know, and I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, it's a little late, you know, for commitment issues. And I ended up drinking pretty heavy, which I drank and partied anyway. Um, but I drank even worse during our marriage. Um, and then kind of an affair and stuff ensued. And, um, she she had an affair um and so i i worked nights so i would come home in the morning and drink again every day to sleep or at least i justified it that i needed it to sleep and yeah. and so i wanted to quit drinking like before our divorce was even final and i would go down and find out how much rehab costs and how much help and treatment costs and i would find out how much it was and i'd go back to the liquor store and buy a bottle because you know eight grand or eight bucks, yeah. I could afford to, to numb the pain one way, you know? And, right. and so for like almost five years, I wanted to get clean and I didn't. And I want to do it for my daughter and my wife, but I never wanted to do it for me. I never want to do it because I could be who I'm supposed to be, you know, who God wants me to be and who I was intended to be. I did it. I kept wanting to do it for someone else. And when I got my DUI here, I was working a warehouse job and the guy called me and he said, Hey, we, you got approved for our program. Um, you know, we can't wait to work with you. We'd love to get you in here. What do we got to do? And I went in the bathroom at work and I remember leaning over and looking at myself in the mirror again. And I said, well, you hypocrite, you know, now what's your excuse? Yeah. They're going to pay for it. And so I went to rehab. Um, I graduated a little bit early. Then I came home and did an outpatient rehab. And then I got involved in service in my local Narcotics Anonymous, which is an alcohol um, addiction 12-step program. And, is it, and sorry, I've just ran with it since. Idaho? Yeah, I'm in Idaho, Burley, Idaho. For the, and then now I have a small, I'm going to go slow. Yeah. Um, ninja Gym. Um, it's a nonprofit kids ninja gym. I'll walk over here and show you guys a little more. Um, to give the kids somewhere to go to keep them away from drugs and alcohol and out of trouble. So that's as far as awesome. yeah. And then there's all kinds of like books right here. You can see, and oh, I just hey. did Mike Cook's Crow's Nest. Let's oh, go. No, dude, the, get rid of that thing. It's terrible. <laughs> I know. Burn it. <laughs> um, now I give, um, I'm giving the kids um, a place to go to keep them out of trouble and um, 
you know, it's called the Ninja Sanctuary. So we're just trying to, uh, to help be in front of the resentments and hopefully keep them away from addiction and keep them just hungry and driven for their goals. And, yeah. um, you know, working hard, not, not victim stance, everything yeah. we encounter on a daily basis is an obstacle. We can yeah. metaphorically overcome all the obstacles in life. We'll be successful. So I love it. That's um, so powerful. Um, that's so cool. So you said that, so obviously going through rehab, um, what specifically drew you to like Spartan and Ninja Warrior? Yeah. Because I know that there's a lot of like, you can just work out, but like, like what made that appealing to you? Like, I want to do this. I want to try out for, for the show basically. Or yeah, in Spartan too, like, um, how did you get involved with that? So they, I got my license suspended for a year. So I would ride my bike from my mom's house, eight miles to the gym. Worked oh out for two hours, then ride it eight miles home every day for like eight months in the snow. Oh my even gosh. dang, dude. Like just, that'll get you in shape real quick. Dang. <laughs> yeah, in the and it's a one speed BMX bike. Like, it's oh, like, oh no, dude, <laughs> we're talking like skate park. Oh, <laughs> You're a tank. And um, eight miles, it, I, it worked. I mean, so I we were watching the original McGregor and Nate Diaz fight. Okay. And a Spartan Race commercial came on for Boise, Idaho. And I was like, dude, I could do that. Like, and I'll do good. I had never run consecutively more than um, my mom's block is a mile. And I would run a mile, then rest a little while, then run a mile. And I went and did this Boise Spartan Race. And I got 18th place out of like 3,400 people. Let's oh, wow. Go. Let's go. And I was like, hey, I'm good at this. Like, <laughs> not only am I good, like, I'm above average. Like, yeah. cool, I found something I'm good at. And then I saw Ninja Warrior. And when I used to drink, I would watch Ninja Warrior and like wipe out in those shows. Like, yeah. oh, I could do that all day. Like, <laughs> those guys are nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I would never actually act on it. Um, so I just started trying to do stuff and competing and just pushing my limits. And, and I discovered, you know, even with one eye, like, so I'm permanently blind to one eye. Um, I can compensate for that by being more powerful than I need to be. So being able to lache further, pull yeah. further, jump further. Um, as long as I can reach it, I can catch, you know, anywhere between three feet out and, and my chest. Right. And so I just started training really hard and, and started trying to do ninja comps behind the scenes. And then I drove to Tahoe, California, where the Spartan race world championships were in 2017. And um, I slept in my car for two nights in 31 degree weather. Oh, um, wow. And then I volunteered for eight days straight. You can volunteer at a Spartan race and you get a free race yeah. out of it. Do you have to and, um, that many days or just one, one shift? You only have to do one. Um, I was like, if you want to meet somebody and you want to make a name for yourself in an industry, you go to the world championships. So um, they offered me a job on like day three and they found out sleeping in my car and they put me in a cab and they were like, dude, you can't be sleeping in your car. Like you're an eight day volunteer. Like you're going to be here. We're going to put you up. We got a couch. And, um, so I, I rocked it, you know, I went and they offered me a job and I said, yeah, I think you guys should pay me for this. And, um, I got a job with them, started working, started traveling with them. And I realized that it could help me share my story even more because I would meet people. Right that were like, oh, you know, I broke my, or I stubbed my toe in ninth grade or broke my ankle and it's never been the same. And that's why I can't really think I can run a Spartan race and da, da, da. And I kind of hear them out for a while. And eventually they're like, so what happened to your eye? 
and then I break it down for them. Yeah. And they're like, "Can you run any lead?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I stubbed my toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I stubbed my whole car. <laughs> Bad. I was the toe. I was the toenail. Yeah, I was the toe. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, just really rad, um, really cool. Someone's at the door of the gym. No worries. We've got another guest coming on. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a mailman. Oh, oh man. The more the merrier. Sure. We got baby stuff. Um, yeah. I'm going to do October 28th have a baby. Oh, let's so, go. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. Yeah, so my, my gym, since I have you guys, is dead center on the, uh, on the main road. What's the town again? Of Burley. So, like, this is literally, like, the main street in Burley, Idaho. No way. So, my gym is, like, dead center on the main street. Thanks, man. So, so I drove through your town, like, two years ago. We were, me and my family went um, on this, like, ski and snowboard road trip, basically. And we drove through Burley. You're right next to Burley Burger, right? Yeah, right there, yep. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've been there. My brother, <laughs> yeah. my brother just drove through there, like, Whoa. last week. Yeah, that's I right. That well, Burley Burger's, like, it's, like, a quarter mile from me, but it's, it's right. You're, no, you're absolutely wait, spot on. I know on. exactly yeah. where you are. I, I, like, didn't, that didn't click until now. That's I'm, sick. like, oh, my. I just remember because Burley Burger, huh. I, we went there. It was, yeah. like, a grand opening or something. I, or it was, like, a year of them being, Yeah. it's, like, this big burger place. And huh. Was it Burley there? You burly, burly burger. How how close are you to Mark? Yeah. Uh, no, we're far from there. I'm eleven hours from there or something. Ten my hours. Brother, my brother went to school there, so there's my Idaho connection. <laughs> there yeah. you go. It's beautiful up there. Like yeah. you know, absolutely beautiful. So close to Wyoming then? Um, yeah, like just get out of map. What am I doing? <laughs> like an hour and a half ish. Okay. Depending on which route you take. Gotcha. So That's sick. So what does your, like, I know you said that you have classes. What does your day-to-day, -day, like, schedule look like? Your coaching um, classes? So I get up at 4.30. I have 4.30 a.m. every day. I'm up. Um, go upstairs, brush my teeth, make some oatmeal, um, drink some coffee real quick, get ready. And then I have a 5 a.m. class every morning. It's actually really cool. I had two local police officers show up today. They want to start joining the class again. Yeah, um, awesome. And I'm, like, huge on, like, back the blue. And, like, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, to have them, I have another lady that stopped coming. She's messaging me right now. Um, I saw part of it. She's ready to start up again. Uh, and so we have our 5 a.m. class, 5 to 6 or 6.15. Um, I do a lot of the class with them, show them, coach them, train them. And then I do my workout from about 6.15 to about 8 o'clock. And then I make breakfast. Um, and then I have kids' appointments all throughout the day. So wow. everything we do is by appointment. Okay. Um, for one-on-one -on -one because then the kids get direct one-on-one -on -one time yeah and they're learning obstacles they're doing it right they're not just coming in here and sending it and getting hurt and, yeah. and then they have that big brother that, that guidance because kids will listen to me when they don't want to listen to their parents yeah yeah um i think i'm cool with my tattoos and i do yeah. stuff <laughs> well, this is a tattoo guy. you know they're like whoa you know <laughs> and um and then I tell parents, too, I tell them, I'm going to discipline your kids when they're in here. And some of them are like, what? And I'm like, I said discipline. Discipline derives from Greek mythology, from the word disciple, to provide direction and guidance. Mm. Now, punishment is when they do it three times and you use the stick or whatever your, your choice right. is, you know. And 
Um, you watch them try to plug something in three times and you keep yelling at them. And then the fourth time you let them figure out what electricity is, you know, that's punishment. <laughs> and, um, and I say that cause I did that with a nightlight when I was a toddler. Oh, <laughs> oh no. God. It's, all, it's all adding up. <laughs> yep, there we go. Um, and so if the kids are in trouble when they come here, they're, or if they're in trouble at home and they come here, then they're in trouble when they're here. Um, so I make them sit in the corner, which hurts their feelings. And then, you know, half an hour in or so, I might look at the mom and like, hey, is it cool? Can they play now? Or sometimes they don't get to. And so we use it as leverage. And the parents, more often than not, come to me and they say, hey, he's been doing his homework. He's been cleaning. He's been doing his chores. He's been asking for extra chores so we can come to the ninja sanctuary sooner. Wow. And I'm like, like right on. Like, that's what we're all about, you know, doing, Baby. doing the next right thing and just teaching these kids, look, there's Ava. Hey. Hi. Say hi. Hi, Ava. Um, that is my girlfriend's daughter. Uh, my stepdaughter, she calls me dad as well. Aw. Um, so she lives at the gym. So the gym is connected to a three-bedroom apartment. So we live right here. That's sweet. Um, Which awesome. makes it even easier for the public to come in and uh, hang out and play. And then I work with, you know, special needs kids, kids with sensory issues. Um, we've got a, a few kids with, like, spina bifida and things that can't really play. So – we put them in this chair that I'm in and we spin them in circles with a Nerf gun and they shoot all the other kids that are playing the floor as lava while running around on balance beams. Hey, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. So we just, you know, we just making the best of it and having fun with it. And yeah. it keeps me busy, keeps me out of trouble. And there's always something to learn from children. I feel like. Totally. Um, they just, they're carefree, their breathing is right, they're flexible, like a lot of things that we forget and with age, True. you know. And, True. Um, I recently got, you guys will get a kick out of this, I recently got invited to the United Nations Sports Council for Peace meeting. Um, what? What? Wait, what is it? Yeah, yeah so United Nations Sports for Peace Council meeting. It's in Geneva, Switzerland in November. No what? way. Um, it's like, yeah, like Olympic committee members and stuff are there and like just royal families and just uh, uh, over the top for me. I'm still wrapping my head around it. Um, I met a really cool lady who runs um, a company called Wrestle Like a Girl. Shout out to Wrestle Like a Girl, too, if they get to listen to this. Um, and Sally Roberts for and Amy um, for being awesome. Um, we oh. I met these um, – these wonderful ladies that run wrestle like a girl and uh she made it so that girls can wrestle in high school nationwide or they started in utah and then now they're taking it nationwide and it kind of went global and she's an olympic uh medalist um army combat veteran and she said you are a professional human she said you are here because you want to help other people become the best version of themselves she said somebody introduced me to these people that helped me launch where i'm going and i want to work with you so we're going to launch uh the teddy ninja project yes yo um in 2020 and we're going to try to open gyms like mine all over the u.s um we're talking about like cincinnati ohio philly um lynchburg <laughs> yeah pittsburgh um anywhere that has low-income families and you know issues with kids and gangs and drugs and violence. And then a lot of those places have vacant buildings that the city would love to have something in. Yeah. So that would mean the city's willing to spend a little money on it to have a facility for them. So 
Yeah. We're wow. going to teach them how life metaphorically is one big obstacle and, and show them how to overcome the obstacles and how to climb on stuff. And then hopefully leave essentially an obstacle course there for them to train on. And wow. that is, you know, God willing, this all takes place. It's that's so, that's awesome. so awesome. And yep. that, yeah, no, nope. you got it. You got nope. it. I'm a passenger. No, I was just, I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's like, I feel like you, like, I heard a quote recently that like, I've, I'm trying to like, you know, remind myself about every day that things happen for you, not to you. And I think that you like totally, absolutely hundred percent have that attitude and you're mm -hmm. just a walking example of like, of, I mean, I don't even, of everything. I don't even know like what, like how to describe it. Um, yeah, I think the girl described it uh, so well, like just professional human Yeah, like, doing, I just love, love your mission. I love that that goal and if there's any way we can help I, I love that I'm trying to start like a ninja club at, at our school because they have club sports and I want to start a ninja team and we're like Lynchburg's a place I mean there's a lot of cities around the U.S. but like Lynchburg is a place it's super weird because you have a lot of college students but then you also have a lot of low-income families as well um, with a lot of crime and um it would be interesting to see what it would look like uh, in a place like this um but I I think it's awesome. So I, I hope yeah. it all comes together. Um, yeah. And I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop too. Um, would love to, hopefully 2020 will be traveling around and she puts on these wrestling camps and she wants me to do an OCR ninja style camp where I take half the girls or half the kids and she takes half of them and we kind of mix it up. Hers is specialized in um, girls a lot, but it's not strictly girls. Um, okay. Both can come to her camps. Um, yeah. But the empowerment, the movement that they back or that they kind of are associated with the most is like women's rights and equal opportunity and equal rights all the way across the board, not just – and that's what the United Nations Sports Council Media thing is, is that um, to help make – create peace. Um, yeah. And just the fact that we're all humans despite color, size, age, race, ethnicity. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, we're all God's children is the bigger picture really. So, Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you like being willing to – shared this with us and you are like such you are such a role model and your yeah. story is so powerful and i think that um that hopefully these listeners can you know take so much i mean you dropped so many little nuggets of wisdom in there i, I just i was getting fired up yeah. i loved it I, i'm i love <laughs> i love like listening to the the, the po our podcast back sometimes to just like because right now i'm i am listening but i'm also like okay i gotta make sure I'm ready to respond and that sort of thing. So don't just get to sit back and listen to it. So I'm really excited just to. Oh, I'm for sure listening to this back. What you have to say. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so as we kind of wrap up here, um, a question we ask all our guests, I know that you're busy. You Before get up that question though. Oh, oh. The question is, is this the year for Ninja Warrior? Oh yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah, hundred percent. So I may not have 2020 vision, but I've got my eye on one thing in 2020, and that's yeah. the top of stage four. Hey -oh! <laughs> so, that's how you're opening, I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how we're going to open. Yeah, so we, I got a really cool plan. And then the Titan Games just emailed me, actually, yes. and want me to submit for that, too. Really? No way. Um, yeah, they said, are you interested in reapplying? We, we liked your video last year. We'd like to get in touch with you. Um, I didn't make a new one. I sent them my Ninja one. And they said, oh, okay. can you make us a new one? specializing in titan games and i just was busy i didn't have time to do it 
Um, but this year we'll make it happen. And uh, I was at that uh, Olympia Expo with the season one winner from Titan oh, Games. No way. Um, his name's James. Wow. Um, and he was like, dude, you would be phenomenal for the show. So fingers crossed, you know, this is a year where we, you know, I don't want to do it for the fame so much. I want to do it so that way I can do what we just did and share the yeah. story and share with other people. Like, look, life is what you make it. Totally. Get beating around the bush, you know, and, and get it in, get it done. Because every day is another opportunity to grow. You don't got to wait until, you know, you're on your deathbed to decide, hey, I wish I would have lived a little. You know, live now. Absolutely. So. Well, I oh, – you can ask the question. Yeah, no, well, I can't <laughs> wait to see you. on. I'm a big fan of Titan Games. Um, Jeff and I are both big ninja – fanatics who are who are applying and um and so hopefully we can all join you in Vegas. join you but um yeah so yeah so dude i wish you the best with with the titan games big fan of that um and kind of as we wrap up here a question we ask all of our guests um in the midst of getting up early doing your class how do you hang loose how do you relax how do you you know yeah how do you how do you take a breather in the day you know, I just remember that every time I see kids, kids are having more fun than I do. So how <laughs> I hang looser in the day is just thinking like a kid. Like life is fun. Like everything that we complain about is someone else's prayers. You know, they pray for our worst day to be their best. And so that's how I look at it every day is, you know what? Nothing that happens right this second is that important to ruin my day. Yeah. And wow. so I just smile and act like a goofball and make funny faces at myself in the mirror and whatever it takes to, uh, <laughs> to just bring out my inner child. Everybody has an inner child. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. all kids. Go back to those deep-rooted experiences that created your core values that remind you of happiness as being a kid and relive them. Do them now. Do them again. Turn on a Aladdin theme song and yes. sing yes. it. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. It's a whole new world when you remember to, uh, to live like a child. So. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Terry, thank you so much. Yeah, dude. You're, you're so real. I love it. Uh, yes, man. I have no words. Yeah. That was absolutely incredible and so powerful. And we really appreciate you making the time and being willing to share. Um, and this is exactly what we kind of like. Yeah. You're the epitome of who we want to have on this show. And um, we really appreciate you um, and your story and kind of, yeah, you're just a walking example of of professional human yep yeah yeah no no worries dude. We had a little, uh, my, my power nap sequence